everybody. This is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. I'm so excited to bring my friend Chrissy Tolley back on the podcast. Um, she is a psychic. Uh, we had talked at the outset of the Corona apocalypse. I did a series of episodes with different psychics and astrologers and all sorts of people that I know who kind of have a, a, a connection to the other realm uh, who could kind of shed some light on what was going on. So I was excited. I mean, also I talked to Chrissy as a friend cause she's my friend and um, she really said some stuff that soothed me her predictions uh, for what's going on, especially timeline wise, which I'm going to spoil it. You don't even have to listen to the episode to find out her timeline, which is March, April, May for like maybe in person sort of gathering things again. Um, and I've heard from other folks too, by summer 2021. So who knows? Um, but you know, for me these days, the thing that's really getting me through is, um, working on my judgment, which I talk about in this episode and also, uh, not needing to understand everything, just really just releasing my need to understand everything that's going on and just keeping it simple and doing what I can do to feel good and content, um, amidst all of the chaos, you know? And I think that's really the best we can do these days. Um, but you know, anyway, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. And before we dive in, I would love to let you know the best way to support this podcast is by being a member of my Patreon page. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, is a membership website that allows folks like you to support creators like me that make work that's of value to you. Um, I do lots of things for free that is just freely available content, but I have a whole content stream that is just for folks on my Patreon feed updates you don't get anywhere else. Um, little mini podcast episodes. Um, I talk about things I'm going through. I talk about things I'm working on. I talk, I do Reiki healings, um, and meditations. Um, so a lot in soundscapes from the forest and lots of fun things over there. Plus, uh, my flagship membership is Fat Kid Dance Party Live, which is my aerobics class, Fat Kid Dance Party, is for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, too fat or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. Um, everything I teach is accessible from a chair for any or all of it. Um, you can also, um, minimum participation is just showing up and cheering along. Um, I have uh, a six, uh, different, uh, six different aerobics classes available at a time for that membership. A 10 minute, a 20 minute, 45 minute, 255 minute, and a chair workout. And so all of those are filmed in the woods. The chair one isn't. I actually did it on Zoom with a very flamboyant friend, but that was a good choice, an artistic choice. Um, but usually it's in the woods. So it's like me in the woods teaching you aerobics. We have a really good time. Um, I love teaching these aerobics. I really do. I was listening to my episode with Chrissy from last time, and I was saying my aerobics are the best they've ever been. And I have to say, that was in March of 2020. It was true then. It is still true now. They're even better now in September 2020 than they've ever been. I just, it's so much fun to have a thing that you create that you just keep developing um, and do it, you know, week after week after week. I've been teaching on Zoom now at 11 a.m. Pacific on Saturdays, and that is available for free for anybody at any level of my Patreon. So you can support at the $2 level and come to all of my Zoom aerobics class. I have so much fun doing that, um, and it's been a really fun way to, like, um, engage and connect. It's not, it's, I'll, I'll say this as a Capricorn. I like my things to look nice and it's hard to, to like release to the zoom because zoom doesn't sound as good and it doesn't, the video quality isn't as good as like something you upload. Right. But the interaction with people is like so much fun and so much cooler even than um, just 
filming it on my own and uploading it into the stratosphere. So lots of different ways to support the podcast, but also nourish yourself and get some self-care in this pandemic. Um, every little bit counts. Uh, we need everyone to be as, um, as self-cared as possible because you can't serve from an empty cup and you need to fill yourself up. And, and now with things like really needing you to slow down, figuring out ways that you can nourish yourself and, and really prioritize that are, I think, key to really unlocking what you have available to you to help us with all the healing we need to do. Cause we need, um, it's an, it's not an external solution. This is something that needs to come from within, from all of us. We all have a little role to play to help, um, bring more kindness and healing to this very, very, very mixed up world. Okay. I love you so much. Here's me and Chrissy. Chrissy Tolly, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Bevan. Yay. Um, I'm so happy to have you back. Six months. I'm very flattered to be back. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, listen, it's like, we need to check in. I need to hear like what's what your tea is from the spirit realm on like this pandemic, this global uprising, all the things oh, that are happening. I will uh, give you what I have. Yeah. Give me what you have. Cause actually the last time we talked like as friends, it actually really soothed me based on the info you gave. So, um, so let her rip. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. Um, damn. What a six months. <laughs> I guess I, I guess the first thing I'll say is that there are a lot of things keeping in mind that I'm not dismissing like the legitimacy of the, of the pain that so many of us have experienced. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, it has not actually been as bad as I thought it would. And the reason it has not been as bad as I thought it would is because as is often true in my world, my timelines were off. <laughs> So here's the thing. I don't think it's actually better. I think it's taking longer. Mm. And back in March, April, I had, because you and I record recorded our um, podcast, I believe on March 23rd. And um, today is September 8th, right? And back in late March, early April, I was just convinced at the time, based on the information I was receiving from spirit, based on the information I was channeling to my clients, that all hell was going to break loose fast. And I was really trying to mentally grapple with that. And I guess the good news is all hell broke loose pretty methodically in ways that made a lot of logical sense. You know, so I'll take it. If hell's gonna break loose as a Capricorn of the Virgo rising, I'm ready for it to be methodical and routine. You know, one plus one equals two. (laughs) It's a new month. When's the alien invasion? You know what I mean? Killer hornets. They're here. They're they're where I live. There are killer hornets. Like, isn't that wild? Like, they they saw UFOs. Like, that was a thing that happened. Like, like nobody from the U.S. can travel anywhere except Mexico. Like. These are things that just keep happening that you would just never believe. These are things that just keep happening. And, but I think the thing about it that I find weirdly settling or that I wish I had been able to tell the piece of myself that was so hyped up and was so just in a really chaotic nervous system back in March and April is it's all of the things that happen, as painful as they are, are going to make sense, you know? They're going to make sense. We understand that if there's coronavirus and if, everybody, you know, 
continues to participate in behaviors that the CDC, when the CDC is doing their job correctly, tell us not to do, we're going to have a, rise num a rising number of cases, right? We understand that if certain states lock down faster, right, then they will not have that upper swing in cases the same way that a place like oh, Arizona, which is where I live, right, had an absolute, like, absolutely comical time in June, you know, and like, I know people who died. Yeah. Right. Like this is, that's just true. That's what happened. Um, but when I was first being told by spirit back in March and April about uprisings, about rioting, right. About, um, racial stuff being about race, about stuff being about class and race, about looting. Like I was getting all that stuff. And my human brain attributed that to fallout from coronavirus, mm. right? That's not what happened. But we saw all those things. <laughs> and the things that haven't happened yet that my, of course, my human scared brain assumed would happen very quickly. Um, the other, th I remember the other three things that you and I spoke about at some length last time were uh, three or four. Um, depression slash recession. We spoke about um, internet outages. Yes, which I experienced. We, what? I actually experienced internet outages. I told you this. Like, I didn't have the internet for six Yeah, years. oh, I know. That was very funny. It was um, hilarious. <laughs> um, Bevan experienced that in real time, not very long after we all talked about that. Um, power outages mm -hmm. was something I talked about. Yeah. We're starting to really see that. And then the biggie, which I think is probably next year is food food wow. distribution and yeah. how food gets distributed right so my human brain took all of those things and was like it's happening in may and then i legit lost my mind for about three weeks and i and bevan knows this i actually had to stop working i literally had to work with my assistant to reschedule about a month's worth of clients which was about 80 appointments wow and it was, it was bad. That was a low moment. I will not say that was good. Um, but even as various pieces of those predictions have spanned out, right? You know, I, I told, for example, several clients in Los Angeles and New York, they're going to block the bridges. The, bridge, the bridges will be blocked off. And then I said, they're going to, they're going to block the 10, the 10 is going to be blocked off. And I was, my, my fear when I'm talking to these clients is that it's like, you're not going to be able to get back and forth. That was my fear. That's not actually what happened. <laughs> and that's why the job of the psychic or the job of the intuitive, as Bevan so beautifully said, is to just get the fuck out of the way. Those things did happen, but they happened in connection to the Black Lives Matter movement and in relation to the re relationship to the protests that were happening. Um, I mean, I but it was, I think that. there is an undeniable correlation to like the uprising and the, the, the experience of the coronavirus apocalypse because like you've got people who have more time freedom because they're unemployed and who are also pressed because of like how the inequities are coming out right like so that I think created a a, a very potent sort of it's almost it's like the powder keg right like that's yeah, what it's all we, together yeah because we're always angry but like if you have a job and you're angry you can't go protest but if you're on unemployment because of the coronapocalypse and you're pissed, you can go out in the streets, you know? And like, there's rich people now who are just like, basically straight up paying bills for frontline protesters, um, enabling that to happen. Because we're, yeah. I think the the real 
the real savior here is not like Biden winning the presidency. It's every single person taking responsibility for how they can help. And like, I think wealthy people with means um, are absolutely needing to help redistribute wealth that has been stolen by wage theft and hoarded by billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're talking about it more and more today. And we're, we've, it's just fat. And that's the, that's the thing I find so fascinating sitting here six months later is like you and I talk about these things and in spite of the fact that so much has gone wrong this year, right? Energetically one plus one equals two. Yeah. Right. We know that the police are going to go kill black people because that's what they do. Yeah. So we knew then thereby, when you just look at the, when you just look at the energy that if a bunch of people aren't working and if we know, you know, God bless George Floyd, but if we know that some, the police are going to fucking kill someone in the same inhumane, disgusting, terrifying ways they always do. And a bunch of, just like you said, Bevan, so many people have that time and space. There it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is, there's, I guess where I find things to be in alignment with truth or with God on a spiritual level is that I see very clearly now how all of this can be true. And, and the, I think the more, I don't know, I don't have another word for a gorgeous thing is I also have figured out for myself as a human, how to just sit the fuck down and honor all of these truths Yeah. versus losing my mind for no good reason and centering my own fear. <laughs> <laughs> centering fear that is such a good self call out, right? Like, cause that's it's just, yeah. And that's also my personality type. That's not just like <laughs> me being, having like white skin. That's just like my, my truth. <laughs> that's just my truth as a human. Um, but yeah, I, I think to answer your question now, now the, the bigger question, and this is why I think you had originally reached out to me to redo this podcast is because in spite of the fact that yes we see all of these things coming to light yes it's so obvious why these things are all coming to light in the way they are the outlier the thing that I absolutely did not see or anticipate though I should have was um the uprising of conspiracy theory and the you know sort of spiritual new age communities full you know participation in that and and what that means or doesn't mean within the spiritual community that's been really fascinating it's also for me been pretty angering (laughs) yeah i don't speak for the collective i just speak for myself that's i mean that's exactly right i actually have to say like the thing that i'm really excited about the growing that i've been doing in this time is that um i'm working more and more on releasing judgment because it's so easy to judge people right now because like I, you can visibly see who's clinging to white nationalism. Like it's a, like this election is about, it's a referendum on white nationalism and white supremacy. And, and I think it can come down. I don't believe in binaries. And yet I think what's happening in our society right now is very binary. It's very this side or that side. It's wrong side of history, right side of history. It's like, um, it's mask versus non-mask. It's like stubbornly connecting or clinging to freedom, quote unquote, while also just letting people die. And like, and of course that's black and brown people disproportionately. And, um, but then like, I, so I get into this role of judgment, right? Like I'm judging this non-mask person or I'm judging this Trumper, but yep. then every time I find myself judging, I know it's not my job. 
Like God relieved me of the job of judging people. It's not, I don't, I'm not even a justice creator. You know what I mean? I'm not even a lawyer anymore. I am just, lawyers aren't justice creators, but you know what I mean? Like I want to be in this like justice, like, cause for me, judgment often comes from a place of justice, right? Like of, of me feeling convicted about my beliefs and my values, but like, it's not my job. So like every time I find myself judging someone, I just come right back to center. And, and that's a lot of work of self-observation to notice when I'm in judgment. And whenever I'm in judgment, I'm not in my highest alignment. I'm not happy. I'm not joyful. I'm not in gratitude. And those are the things that God needs me to be in. God does not need, need me to judge a Trumper. God needs me to love everybody. And like, yeah. so, I mean, that's, I know that's not for everybody, but it's what works for me. And it's been giving me a lot of sanity. <laughs> in sure. the and, and in the same way where you talk about judgment being connected to justice. Mm-hmm. I, I think I probably could take that same formula and say that mine is criticism mm. connected to care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And probably everybody has their own version of this. But when I get really critical, because I've discovered the hard way in my life that I tend to be very critical of the things I love. Mm, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the way I was loved was very critical. Wow. Damn. Right. So I was was raised to believe criticism was love. That's actually something I've had to let go. Like mm -hmm. I heard, I heard it. I mean, I still hear, I love her, but I still hear from my mom, like criticism is love. And and not that she like under, she feels like she's loving. Right. But actually it's not coming. It doesn't, it's not, and never received that way. Like all of the, the books about 0% received that way. Yeah. 0%. Like nobody wants to hear criticism. Zero times out of 10. (laughs) If they want your advice, they'll ask for it. You can ask them if they want your advice, right? You can ask, but most of the time, most people don't. Most of the time people just need to be loved. And that's Mm -hmm. where change comes from. It's from a loving environment, not from shame and criticism just creates shame. So I love that you figured that out too. And so much earlier than me (laughs) in your life. (laughs) <laughs> well, people mirror things back to me. I think be, maybe because of my work, maybe because I'm just energetically large. Mm. Things that when things get mirrored back to me in my life, they get mirrored hard. Oh. It's not subtle. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing that I could just be like, mm, who's to say? <laughs> like someone's like fucking like rightfully furious. Like things blow up in my face if I'm not honoring what I need and what other people need. So real. And I don't know if that's, it's hard. Yeah. Like you said, it's hard to know maybe why that is, but whereas other people can kind of operate from a space of, uh, this isn't part of my criticism thing, but whereas I notice other people in their lives can really operate from a space of denial for a long time. Yeah. Right. And like sort of just appreciate that or get away with that. There's lots of different ways to approach denial. Right. I don't have that luxury. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm operating from denial, I get hit in the face fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but anyway, yeah. I thank you for that compliment. I I will accept that compliment from you. That is something I've figured out maybe earlier than the average person. I mean, most people have had kids, screwed up kids, and then eventually they realize if they ever realize that criticism isn't uh, yeah love. But like, I think so many of us are raised that way. Uh, Toni Morrison has this amazing. Um, little clip where she talks about how she had to learn to fix her face when her kids came into the room because she would see them and be like, your hair's out of place. This is this, this is that, right? Like she'd be doing the mental list of the criticism she wants to fix because she wants her kids to be 
okay, right? Because we think that's okay. That's making them okay. But really your kid wants to see you loving them. So you have to like learn how to just pause and just be like, I love you. Right. And you can even make the, I love you face simply by thinking, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Um, like, and your face is the most potent communicator you have because communication is literally only 6% verbal. Everything else is nonverbal. So Mm -hmm. it's really, Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've learned that. It's, it's just been the past six months has been a truly fascinating experience. But the reason that I know mm, it's working for me, I guess, or like I guess I'm getting what I'm supposed to be getting, is because I like who I am more now than I than I like the person in March. Yeah, who I am right now is somebody who's calmer, more patient, more accepting, mm-hmm. not a workaholic. I thought it would take me years to break that one. <laughs> Six months of a pandemic, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Right? Like I just am so much better. Now that this is not to say that we should be turning, you know, I have so much privilege. This is not to say that we should be turning to anybody and be like, do you like yourself more? If you don't, maybe you didn't get the pandemic memo. Right? Um, <laughs> That's not at all what I need no. people if to you, think. If, if somebody gets that after our five minutes talking about criticism isn't love. <laughs> I mean, I, Christ, they could. I think five years ago, I would have been like, fuck you, bitch, in response to what I just said. Um, funny? But yeah, I, I this is not to say that people should be different than what they are right now. I just, I can tell that I have learned what I needed to learn and am just sort of in the flow with it now and by doing that I can look at things from a much purer true place yeah absolutely and there and thereby be of greater service and in stronger alignment and this that or the other yeah and you also like um you really did some good work on your workaholism after you like basically broke down and had to like re- take a month for your take a month of space to like yeah reset your brain and do all of that yeah. T- tell me more about like the process of just deciding and understanding that you needed to ultimately see less clients uh, sure so um first off I don't know what before we talk about this I have no idea what the average number of clients an intuitive should see per week right some some people just they connect to source or they've done it a long time or they're really talented and they can just go 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 I can't do that without a significant kickback on my mental and physical wellness and so I can do a lot but I'm essentially like there's a debit (laughs) that's happening that I will pay for if I do that um so yeah, not this isn't to say people should have a certain number, but between about July 2019 all the way through March 2020, I was seeing 16 to 17 clients a week with very, really very little time off. And um, I, it just all caught up with me. A combo of the, a combo of just doing stuff that wasn't doing too much and not honoring my relationships and 
the pandemic and the pressure that I kind of chose to feel around the pandemic, not just because I was naturally afraid in a way that I think makes sense, but also because um, when the pandemic happened, and you, I'm sure you can hear some of this, some of that energy in the podcast we recorded, I very much felt as if I had to warn people. It felt as if that was my job, right? And so that's part of the reason, you know, you were talking about releasing judgment. I was fucking furious <laughs> at the people not wearing masks. Yeah. I was beside myself, you know, May, June, my God. I was like, fuck y'all, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> um, anyway, because of all of that pressure and choice making and habits or what have you, um, I was seeing a really, what I consider to be a really large caseload. And then after I had about those three weeks off, which started because I was in a space of suicidal ideation for about four or five days mm. and could not get out of it and it would not stop. And that's when I just needed to ad- admit to myself, I can't keep doing this. I have to take a significant break. It is going to be a, bl- a break that was absolutely not planned. I'm going to, because I'm choosing to t- take this break, probably receive a kickback, not from clients. It wasn't terrible. They were kind and understanding, but it's certainly not what anybody wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to feel a lot of guilt. <laughs> um, and that's what happened. And it was okay. And after that, I think I just gave up. There was like, there was a lot of beauty. I kept using the phrase, this phrase that I made up and I kept saying, um, my girl boss is dead or the boss bitch is dead. Mm. I just kept saying that. I was like, she's dead. I don't give a fuck. I just said that over and over again. I don't care. I don't care. And I really didn't. And honestly, Bevan, there's a part of me that still doesn't. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to be of service. That doesn't mean I don't honor my business and my clients and this ability that God gave me or what have you. But like when it comes to this traditional capitalist business model, I don't know how much I care. Yeah. And so I went from seeing about 16 17 clients a week to then honestly in May and June, eight to 12. And now I'm like consistently 12. Right. And I might, even if, if I feel like I want to do more of a push and see more people per week between now and the end of the year, I will, but I'm not holding myself to that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like for who so much of that high number of people I, I felt I needed to see and was obsessed with. I, just had to do with ego and with, with proving value. Yeah. I don't feel that as much anymore. And you know what? That's actual freedom is to learn how to get your value from within. That's just inherent right there. Right. Instead of needing it to come from these external validations, like how much money is in your bank account, how many clients you see, like how big your business gets. Like I was just talking to a friend about my business goals and I was like, I don't want a big company. I want a very, I want to do the same amount that I do now easier for me. So just like farming out things, but like, cause I don't, I don't want to have teacher training anymore. Like I don't want to do any of that. It's mm-hmm. more headaches and more things to handle. And I, I'm trying to simplify my life because the simpler I get, the happier it gets. And I would like to live a joyful life. And also, I mean, with my Reiki stuff, I don't even, I barely advertise for it because I only want to see max four clients a week. And I already have one regular. So, and a couple other like, here and there's so like it's it's one because I just don't I have so much I need to give to my aerobics that like is the healing work I think I'm meant to be doing that mm-hmm. like I think my Reiki is an incredible gift I actually think I'm a very powerful Reiki master but like I that's not my hustle you know and so it's like that and and it's so interesting because I 
I really identify with that girl boss thing that like Capricorn boss babe is what I call it. Like when I'm like getting things handled and being a good Capricorn business person, but like also, you know, it, it's not, that's egoic stuff that doesn't really have, it's not useful for us to be in our egos like that. It's useful for us to be at our highest and best vibration when we serve so that we're able to be that, that vessel for, for source, I guess. I don't know. That's what yeah. I said. The, when I said like the, the job of the intuition is, or the intuitive is just to get out of the way um, and let spirit do the talking. Right. And I just, I, it's not lost on me that so many businesses are going under Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that they deserve to, but no. a lot, you know, if you, I think it was the Times, it might have been Washington Post. They did a whole write up on, you know, this idea of the girl boss being something that's not working out, right? And it was funny because I, I think they used a very similar phrase, and I had said that exact same phrase and was repeating it to my friends over and over and over again for weeks before that article came out. And it's I just and it, it was about how many of these sort of white girl business blah blah blahs are you know either realizing they can't hack it or we're finding out how racist they are or whatever right I mean things are being stripped down to what they truly are so that we can see what they actually are and if we're going to keep them or not yeah it's like such a weird I mean I do genuinely have a lot of God, I'm just swimming in compassion for like all the people who are suffering in this, like people who had family businesses that went under because most, most solo entrepreneurships or family businesses are operating on a shoestring, like a wish and a prayer all the time anyway. Uh And and a hiccup like coronavirus, like unless you were operating, like I have a friend who owns like six stores and she's operating at like 50% of her revenue. And like, and the fact that she hasn't had to close is wild, right? Like compared to everyone else who wasn't able to kind of figure out all those PPE loans and stuff like that. Like I didn't even try, you know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. I, I live off my Patreon now. It's what's happening. You know, like I didn't think that was going to be where most of my money came from 2020, mm-hmm. but here we are. So, you know, when we, when we take it out on the macro level, cause I agree with you, I'm not blaming individual business owners. Yeah. Um, though I do think the girl boss paradigm has died and will continue to die. Yeah. But if we take it out on a macro level and we see, okay, these businesses go under, okay, they didn't receive the support they needed, okay, this, the, you know, the American dream that is supposedly built into the idea of entrepreneurship actually can't hold, okay, we all collectively agree, not just brown and black people, that the American dream was a sham, okay, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, one plus one plus two, it's just, this is the math, right? And I'm not saying it's good, I'm just saying it's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's still a lot of space for entrepreneurialism, especially in the information age, um, because I think entrepreneurs get paid to solve problems. So like when people see a need, right? Like basically, essentially every small business is you're solving a problem for somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, I think people need to, it's the coronavirus message. If there's a simple message that can come out of this is just keep it simple. Like we have to slow the fuck down because you can't be safe in a pandemic and be in a rush, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need to leave a lot of time and space for people to not be six feet away from me and me to back up, right? Like, so I 
don't go to town when I'm in a rush, right? Like there's a lot of things I do to like not be in a rush anymore. And, and also that's just good for our nervous systems. We don't need to be in as much of a rush. And I think, um, I don't know. And, and this, a lot of staying at home, that's simplifying things. And, but like, you know, also figuring something that you can do to serve other people and to meet needs, that's, that's entrepreneurship, you know, and like, you know, getting paid to solve problems, but also, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, I think the coronavirus is such a disaster that like, it's just meeting people where they need to learn and yeah. hopefully folks are taking the time to learn. And I think and some people are. Yeah. And, and entrepreneurship and, and the desire to be of service and the desire to create things that people need to help them feel whatever it is they want to feel. All of that is going to exist way outside of the American dream and way outside of capitalism as we know it, right? So whatever exists, this is just kind of what I keep thinking. Anything that still is or, or has, quote, survived or needed to adapt in some way to become, remain solvent, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anything that still exists in a year and a half <laughs> is strong. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> I, I, I know my business is going to change drastically over the next six to nine months. I'm just sure of it. And yeah. I don't even know what that will, I'm honest to God, when we sit here right now on September 8th, I don't even know what that looks like. Maybe in another six months, I'll be like, surprise. Oh, I'm excited to see what's, what's happening for you in six months. Yeah, it will be, I'm sure it will be different, but it's, it's just because what I'm doing right now, does it work? Sure. Do I have clients? Yeah. Could it, is it, could it be better? Could it, do I think I'm truly operating within a realm that is of the highest vibration or greatest level for as many people as possible? No, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, I think you're right. I, I don't, I don't think that people being of service will ever go out of style, yeah. but I do think that everything we're learning about how much our country does not care about people who work <laughs> is fascinating <laughs> and has consequences that will show up sooner than we want to believe yeah is it consequences in the favor of the people who are the working class or yes or, okay good <laughs> but and 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 also thus the collapse or fall of so many of the systems that we grew up in know you know what is on the other side of the things that we want to take down? We don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. But I think we could see pieces of that by next summer ish. Right. Like I do think in the next four years or so, let's be broad because we know that timelines are not always my strength when I'm speaking to the collective. <laughs> but let's say I pretty much every psychic doesn't that I've ever gone to doesn't speak in timelines. I know they don't, which is why I'm like, I guess I should take that <laughs> off of myself for the collective. But you know, I, I just think, even if there's a Biden win, which I hope and really think we can get, mm-hmm. even if there's a Biden win, that doesn't change the timeline of the enormous seismic, and in my, in my opinion, pretty scary changes we're going to be seeing in our country. Not scary because they aren't necessary, but just like scary in the sense of like, it's, it's scary to think that lots of people will be unhoused. It's scary to think that like there, the food distribution change could get significantly disrupted in in some of the we saw some smaller versions of this already but like in large and significant ways yeah absolutely um can you would you be willing to share the timeline you shared with me that when you think this is going to be the coronavirus 
the threat is going to be over? Well, I don't know if it's a threat. I, I don't know if it's over. <laughs> um, when people have asked me, when clients have asked me over and over again, like when, when does this change? When does this shift? When can the, a question I get every week is when do we get to have our wedding? You know? <laughs> oh my God. I can only imagine. Oh yeah. A lot of wedding questions, which is fine. I always talk about uh, spring, summer, 2020, you know, so I'm talking March, April, May, June. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think that that's, it's like, Oh, because there will be zero threat that I think that's a lie. But I think I, as for example, I am an able-bodied individual who doesn't have underlying health conditions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It would be, and I don't live with anyone who does, thereby it would be safe for me to go to that wedding yeah. or that event. Yeah. Right. So that's, I, I just keep seeing people in groups by the spring. I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily be sure that that's zero risk, but that's what I see going on there. Yeah. Um, Can I share for your wedding clients? what I have decided personally as a human being. Oh, uh, yes, please. Who frequently visualizes about meeting the person I'm supposed to be with and getting to get married, right? Yes. Uh, Because, you know, I've been engaged twice and canceled two weddings. It's rough. Uh, Not from coronavirus, from, I don't know. From life. From life. From from not actually being a a lifetime mate for that person that I was engaged to, right? Yes. Um, So I have decided I never want to be engaged again. I've, okay. I've had enough of my life being engaged that I don't need to do that again. So okay. what I would like to do is get, you know, get engaged, elope, and then have a wedding pageant later on. And pageant. So, Tell me more about the wedding pageant. Because weddings are pageants. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's absolutely. It's just parading around in outfits, celebrating a thing, which I think totally deserves to be celebrating. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm a, you know, I'm an old school gay. I love a love celebration, right? Like back before we could get married, we had celebrations of love and commitment. And I think that's where yeah. it's going. Um, and also they weren't legally binding. So they were literally just parties. And that to me, like, I think the I, I want to be married, you know what I mean? I want to be married to the person, not just to anybody, but to the person I'm meant to be in my highest um, effectiveness. I think the right partner makes you the best version of yours. Well, it doesn't make you the best version of yourself. The, high, the right partner is part of the circumstances for you to like elevate, right? So I would like, say I agree with that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're both like two people who are a whole and you come together. One plus one equals infinity. When you're two mm. people who need each other to complete you, one plus one equals negative seven. You know, like it's not, if you're like, that's, it's dragging you down if you have the codependency. That's just correct math. Thanks. Thanks. Um, and so like, cause I was thinking about it cause I was like, I don't want to be engaged. So like, how do I do this? And I was like, oh, like it's my mom is the one person who like would never forgive me if, if she wasn't there. So of course she would go to the mm-hmm. elopement, but like, you know, I, I don't, I, a wedding pageant is just a big celebration, right? With fancy dresses and it, you can take lots of time planning it. And like, also the coronavirus doesn't affect like you, you know, it's, I get married and then, you know, whatever. So anyway, so any of your mm-hmm. wedding, fancy, wedding, wedding people. Yeah. You, I'll just be like, here's the trick. Uh-huh. Don't be engaged, elope, uh-huh. proceed to have a pageant. Yes, exactly. And then it can be as fun and whimsical as possible. I think that's, honestly, I, I'm like gonna take a page out of your book because weddings, for me, not because they aren't valuable, but they make me like want to break out in hives. That's how much they stress me out. Yeah. So I, I have full intention of elope. <laughs> And it's kind of romantic and beautiful. And then you get to have multiple wedding dresses. And isn't that nice? 
Yes. Of course. Of course. My, it's funny because when I was, um, my parents divorced when I was 18 months old and yet still when I was a little kid, I was kind of obsessed with their weddings because they got married twice. I got married at a courthouse and then my aunt guilted them into having a Catholic wedding. Um, and so there are pictures from both. And I, I loved, I loved hearing those stories, even though like my parents' love story is nothing like literally my dad woke up from a nightmare and asked my mom to marry him in the back of his van because uh, he didn't want to wake up alone from a nightmare again. That's what he told me. And I'm like, and yet still, I was very fascinated and interested in all of these life <laughs> stories. I love that that's your approach to weddings. That's adorable. Well, and, and weddings represent union and joy. Like you're a person who loves those things. So of course you're going to like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I've just always been super excited about weddings and like, you know, it wasn't like I was, it's, it's interesting as a little girl, I didn't like really, I don't know. I think as a little girl, it's, it's hard to tear that experience apart from fat phobia where my experience of fat phobia was you will never be loved and you will sure, never be loved. So I didn't actually really think that I was ever going to get married. So now that, I, now that I've run towards the altar a few times, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm positive I'm going to get married because I believe in my future mate and whatever. I do too. <laughs> I've had multiple wedding gowns now. I, you know, it just is what it is. I know what I would have worn in 2007. I know what I would have worn in 2019. Uh, let's see what I'll wear at my actual wedding pageant. But, you know, maybe I'll be like Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon and get married every year for as many years as I'm with my person. You could. That's a lot of pageants, but like... You enjoy them. Yeah. What would Mariah do? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, so I, I'm going to tell your listeners this. Yeah. I'm going to tell your listeners this. Um, Bevan, who's a, a true researcher, journalist, and former lawyer, listened to our, our podcast, I believe in totality. And I was literally instructed by whoever guides me to not listen because I would get obsessive about things I did got quote wrong or not. Ugh. But Bevan, because I like, I like pieces of, I like accountability. I like, <laughs> I like the follow-up piece. Is there other stuff that I did or did not say that we should review? Uh... Or did I hit it? No, you hit it. I mean, here's the thing, like the world was falling apart and you provided uh, knowledge and grounding and the right amount of foreboding uh, for the times that we were in. You know what I mean? Like it, it needed to be a grave circumstance. It is dangerous for people to lose their internet connection uh, in these times where that's like our thread that really keeps us with the, our like-minded people. Like I, you know, I, I judge plenty of people on the internet, right? Like I have to come back to center all the time from the internet, but there's also a lot yes. of deeply nourish me on the internet so right. in that time where I didn't have the internet I was prepared I had downloaded a lot of stuff but I knew that my nourishment could still happen even you know and I you know not to if people didn't listen to that episode when I was not having the internet uh-oh I had my mom uh who uh was allowing me to use her internet and um not uh so I was walking back and forth to my mom's house and doing that interneting so the the internet going away was correct based on what Chrissy Tolley said so Chrissy um will you so you're guided by your guides do you know who your guides are have you figured that out yet 
Yeah, I, I, I think I have. Are you willing to share? Sure, sure. Um, one thing I'll say is that I, I think this process is unique for everybody. I think that, you know, at least for me, I sort of have a vague sense of who they are, but I'm willing to be wrong. Mm, yeah, totally. And the system that seems to connect or what I call, I think everybody has a system, um, but the system that seems to connect me over to my clients, it seems to be connected to them, but I'm not sure how that really looks. So I, I'm just making clear that I'm not like, I know exactly how it works and exactly who these bitches are. No, I don't. Um, one of them is named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is biblical. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he looks biblical, uh, you know, of that region. And he, but he doesn't directly talk to me. I just know he's around. And I've had, especially back when I was first getting online with all of my abilities, like in 2016, I would, I, had sort of in-depth meditation related conversations with him and I just know he's still there um that's interesting the current person who seems to act as quote my higher spiritual guide is this black woman named Erica oh hey and she looks like us I mean she's she's not like biblical she looks like somebody who could be alive like now Uh and so it's very hard for me to know I'm like are you is she like a person who passed on is she someone who uh, i don't know who she is is but she's erica with a ck or erica with just a k just a k she's black and she has braids Uh you know and and i'm she's very nice (laughs) but that's the thing like i i just can sort of see them and there will be brief interactions with them but it's not as if it's like I talk to them every day because sometimes when I, sometimes I see, for example, spiritualists like, um, will have classes or courses or whatever. And it's all about like, these are my guides and I'm so close to them. And it's, I'm, if, if they have that experience, that's totally okay. But I think sometimes it makes other people feel like they are behind in some way, which I don't think is true. Mm-hmm. And I frankly wonder as somebody who does do this on a professional level, if they're exaggerating what that connection is <laughs> um make sure everybody gets there the way they're meant to get there but like I think it's interesting because like I like the Long Island medium is very clear she knows who her guides are like like mm-hmm. one of them I forget what one of them is but um the there's like one who's like a Native American chief you know who's like there and and shows up in full dress it's very interesting right like and mm-hmm. so it's so it's so it's so interesting when people and like Alex um one of my other psychic friends his his mm-hmm. guy kazoo and it's very clear it's just this one dude yeah it's just that's that's his dude and I've listened to his story I've listened to him yeah. on your podcast and he says that he saw that dude when he was very young bing bang boom right yeah and both of that that's their truth and I don't dis I don't disagree with it but mine seems to be like there will be multiple around, but there's only one that ever interacts with me at any given time. Mm. And they will sometimes be like, oh, I'm here for a while during this part, but then this other person's going to step in. So it's like, it's, a, it's like the different one will be in charge depending on what I am doing or going through. Ooh, it's like a relay race. Kind of, but it doesn't seem like any of them ever come back. It seems as if like for several, like six months or so, there was this floaty white lady like I, and I call her white, not because her skin was white, but because she was like an ephemeral being of light. 
Wow. But then she she was only there for like three, four months in 2019, and then she left, and then Ezekiel came back, and then eventually Erica was here, and now I'm like, is this Erica, or have I just decided Erica is here? I don't know. My yeah. point being that like, I do pretty high level work, and I'm good at it, and my relationship to them is like murky, <laughs> <laughs> unclear. <laughs> I mean that's real I feel it's so interesting because like for me I, I don't feel a deep need to identify all the the people but like I think that's how I feel too I'm just like I, I don't know that I yeah that's a good way to put it I don't know that I need it yeah so it's not I don't get curious about that kind of stuff and like I also I mean I know there's like a dance spirit that comes through me um actually I feel like pretty confident I know like their circumstances and how like I was a a young child when my mom came out she was in like the so my parents split up at 18 months old after they were very unromantic relationship and um Mm -hmm. then my mom came out for a while she she went back in the closet uh due to like you know basically like having a real terrible experience that she hasn't yet wanted to share on my podcast but um Mm -hmm. it's like my pre-conscious life in this like gay world of like you know because it was different to be a gay person in the very early 80s and so my mom was with all these gay people and like so I was very affected by the AIDS epidemic as a very young child like knowing people who died from it and like all of that so I think like that experience as a young child opened me up to spirits from that time so it feels like a very like late 70s disco dance (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I hear you (laughs) when I'm in the forest I'm doing a lot of dance walk is is what I'm saying so yes I see it yeah and it's fun because like it's like I feel like I'm a home for spirits who love the experience of having a human body because that's not what they get to have and so the movement part is really and I think I mean think some dance is channeling you know like just like some drinking some alcohol drinking uh people experience channeling and don't realize that's what they're doing um yeah yeah that I mean oh let's talk about keeping things high vibe because I know you had talked about uh, or you had posted some stuff in your stories. And I just want to untangle this a little bit for the people who care enough to hang in this long for a, a podcast of the psychic. God bless them. We love you. We love you for hanging in there and wanting to chill with us and talk psychic stuff. And um, I'm curious, like, how you ensure that the spirits that are influencing you or interacting with you are in highest alignment and aren't just, like, random white lady getting attunements from from, like, youtube videos you know like who doesn't have like a lineage or a sure and it's such a it's such a complicated answer Mm -hmm. i'm going to answer with a story (laughs) great it's me after all okay um so i'd say back in about may i was there was a client who i'd work with a few times like them as a human um genuinely cool person right they came to me with a lot of big emergency energy because i am often for better or worse what i call a mayday mayday person a mayday mayday person is somebody who people just come to (laughs) in emergencies and i i carry that torch so they had contacted me they were very much an emergency regarding a spiritual issue and they said that they had um they believed that they were fighting off a demon Okay. Mm -hmm. So I kind of tried to help them. It became very clear that this was out of my wheelhouse and I don't do spiritual stuff that I don't think I'm ready for. (laughs) And uh, so I called in a shaman who I like and trust 
that shaman also tried truly we were via zoom we were full on in the pandemic and these are people who don't live near me right also tried to help this individual they couldn't and it kind of became clear that this individual was maybe past the point of being helped Mm. um, in regards to their the, the the very real and significant spiritual attack that they were experiencing so you know i realize we're beyond my wheelhouse the shaman who i really trust is like oh man this is even beyond what i know this person you know like <laughs> we don't know what to do now right and for the t- about two weeks after i had that sort of emergency phone call um, emergency zoom <laughs> spiritual council session this same entity, which I, I have no other word for it other than demon, because it was very a very tra- a demon in a traditional sense, like essentially harassed me for about two weeks. Ugh. And one of the main things that it did, this happened to me two different times, and it was actually really scary both times when we're talking about sort of energetic sovereignty, is it pretended to be my spirit guides. And both times it pretended to be the spirit guide who I had mentioned, who's this black woman named Eric, <laughs> right? And, um, and the reason that I knew that that was not my spiritual guide is one, it was saying stuff that that lady doesn't say to me. Yeah. You know, I was like, what? And I could just, it was off. And then two, I had used an exercise to check the vibration and use discernment to figure out what that, what this entity was, because I just knew deep down it was not this guy that normally interacts with me and has full spiritual access to me. So the, the exercise in question that the shaman had taught me was to, to think about the love that you have for a pet, mm. particularly kind of go even harken back to maybe a pet from childhood, right? Like your best pet, your favorite pet, like your soul pet, right? And if you don't, if somebody's think, doing this exercise and they don't have a pet that works this way, think about um, a parent who you love dearly, your child right? Like somebody who you hold that big, beautiful, deep vibration of unconditional pure love, right? Which is a really specific vibration, especially if we're talking about something as um, something that can't hurt, like like a cat, right? So I'm thinking, for example, when I think of that, I think of my cat Luna who died in 2019. And when I took that same vibration, I held it up against whatever this entity was, it suddenly became very clear that wasn't the same vibration. Mm. And I was like, ooh. And it was essentially like almost like a, like a detective moment where it's like, ha ha, I see you. <laughs> and it ran off. Oh. And this, this sort of demon thing just sort of realized after a while, it was like, you, and essentially this demon in question was saying to me, like, you don't you fuck with, the, with that same client. Uh-huh. They were like, this is mine now. Yeah. God has two faces. God has a face of light and God has a face of the dark. And this demon was making very clear to me, listen, this is, this person has a contract with me and you and your shaman bitch are not going to fuck with that person. And I was like, okay, thank you. And as soon as it was made very clear that like, A, it wasn't going to be able to trick me, you can try. And B, I wasn't going to fuck with what it was already doing, yeah, which was messing with that client of mine. It went away. Yeah. But this is why when Bevan's referring to something that I posted on my Instagram stories, um, by a, it was originally written, written by a woman named Janet Frank, who's a spiritualist. Um, this is why I'm very untrusting of this, of, of a lot of these conspiracy theories and what these people will say over and over again. And if you're a person who ascribes to these theories and is listening to this, I'm not 
like judging or criticizing as Bevan and I were mentioning, but I don't believe that what people always think or know or believe is their spiritual guidance is true. Mm-hmm. And I think when we are not fully invested in honoring the truth of our, not only our DNA, the genetic lineage that we were born into in this lifetime, if we haven't not done the, like the work to honor and identify either the harm that we've experienced, the oppression that that lineage has inflicted upon others or both, Mm -hmm. right? If we haven't done that work, then it's very easy to start trying to interact with things, uh, medicines, uh, exercises, whatever, that we're not actually ready for. And I think the spiritual new age community, particularly white folks, myself sometimes included, though I think I very much stay in my lane at this point, dealing with a whole host of stuff that they do not understand, they don't know, they aren't ready for, and they can't control. Mm -hmm. And there is ancient shit afoot, and this is some of the darkness that I'm talking about later next summer. There is ancient shit afoot that has come up because now's the time for it to come up. Mm -hmm. And I do, frankly, and yeah, nobody has to agree with me on this, but yeah, I, I do think that there are negative entities at play that want spiritually famous people or people uh, who have, who can get attention easily. I think I would, I'm not big, but I am one of those people to believe in certain things that push their agendas mm-hmm. of hate, of white nationalism, yeah, of colonialism, of capitalism, of destroying the earth. Yeah. As above, so below. If this is what the earth plane looks like right now, not even just talking about America, which is a goddamn nightmare, but if we're globally, if this is what the earth looks like, then thereby the spiritual world must reflect that. Yeah. It just, it is not all light and love. That's all I'm saying. And I don't think that means that white people can't participate in certain medicines if they're ready. I don't think that means that, you know, we need to just be like, oh, never mind. I, I, I set aside any power that I have. I set aside any healing that I have. You, there's, there's lots of different ways to go about this. I just think a lot of unhealed people are stepping into stuff they're not ready for. Yeah. I've, I've done this work professionally for three years. I've never done ayahuasca. And I don't think I will for years because I'm not going to be ready. Yeah. Whereas when you've got some random woman who wants to you know, typically white outside of that lineage who wants to heal their trauma, who's been pulled toward that medicine because they know so-and-so Brittany who had a great time with it. Right. (laughs) Which is fine. I'm just saying. It's another good white lady name like Karen and Becky. Yeah. I mean, my Chrissy, it's an excellent one. Come on. Right. I'm I'm on that team. It's fine. Right. But like, is this girl who's following in Brittany's footsteps, is she ready for that process? Is, does she believe in her own the, in the truth that she is a child of God, that she is deserving of love and like commitment and care and protection. And so is every other being on the planet. Does she know that? I bet she doesn't. Yeah. And I bet if she's way up in that, without, in, in the vibration of where that type of medicine takes you and she doesn't have that self-awareness or that love or that truth or that groundedness in herself, fuck only knows what is going to attach to her. Yeah. Fuck only knows. Yeah. I think we've just got a lot of people doing stuff they're not ready for. I think it's in some ways tainted them. And I don't mean to say that to scare everybody out of doing things that heal them. It's just that this is not a game. This is not cute. Yeah. 
And so I really resonated with what that woman said. Yeah. And I reposted it. I love that. And I think it's important for people to just understand that like, it's important to have spiritual advisors, like where you have people who you can call who are deeper into this work, who are not only three years in, right? Like who yeah, in for that, right? Like someone who can like tell you and help you understand and like help you. Cause like, I felt like, you know, I felt very nourished by all of the Reiki training that I've gotten in the lineages I've been attuned into um, because I trusted those teachers and I trust their teachers and their teachers, teachers. And like, it's all very lineage, lineage based, but now like, you know, there's attunements via YouTube, you know what I mean? Which is uh, like one of the first things they teach you in Reiki training is these symbols. Well, in Reiki level two, when you get symbols, these symbols are sacred. You're never supposed to show them to somebody, blah, 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 blah. And they're all over the internet. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, um, but the, the Reiki is intelligent life force and it's, so it knows and understands when you have a lineage and like, um, and I think there's, I don't know. And I think the same is true. I mean, I guess I, as a Capricorn, I like organization, right? So like, I, uh, and lineage, you know, and so, and I, and that, and part of lineage, what it does is it protects you from stuff like this, from getting in too deep, um, to things that you're not ready for so that you don't accidentally make a deal with the devil, you know, like, mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever you cling to. Right. And this is not to dissuade people from spiritual pursuits. I think people absolutely need to pursue spirituality because we're not raised with it and we're not raised with, with the knowledge of what's possible for us. And, we're not, we're, not as white folks no no not as white folks and not in the western world we're we're definitely raised to like be lawyers and doctors not like reiki master instructor aerobics people you know what i mean like it's not like getting to be just trusting your intuition is great but you want to make sure that you're doing it in a place that's protected and grounded something that i do that really helps a lot is just planting roots into the ground bringing light up through those roots creating a shell barrier over me from like a sphere from the ground up that meets above my head. And then I, I harden that shell to whatever crystal needs to come through for my protection. And I set the intention that only love can come through. I reflect harm as divine bright light. And then I ask Archangel Michael to cut all emotional cords. And that is what, that's like my basic spiritual hygiene every day or whenever ground I- Ground and shield, off. ground and shield. Ground and shield, ground and shield. And that keeps me light and bright because I think as a little girl, I would go to these haunted Girl Scout camps, true story, where other people were seeing <laughs> And I was very resilient to it because I just set the intention that I did not want to interact with spirits. And I didn't want to interact with any spirits that were scary or negative. And I didn't. And like, your intentions are ever so powerful at guarding your yourself from this kind of crap. And it sucks that like, you know, it sucks when people get tangled up with things they they have no business being tangled up with, you know? And I, I'm not saying that it hasn't happened to me because it has. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm not saying it won't happen in the future because it probably will. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, that's ground and shield, ground and shield. And I spent a lot of years being resistant to that. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to be ungrounded. I didn't want to do work on my nervous system. I didn't want to do be disciplined in the way I needed to because I was addicted to chaos and stress <laughs> and I would say really and legitimately only in the past like four months have I made really significant headway on those that's great and you know what's cool too is that you could go to a place where you you start seeing like 10 or 5 clients a week right like that could to- if that's I would kill. <laughs> that 
right? Yeah. You could. It's totally like you could. And you could like, you know, that's the thing. The cool thing about being a service-based business, right? Going back to entrepreneurialism and girl boss life Mm -hmm. is that when you're a service-based business and you're really good, you can charge enough for your time that you're able to, you know, offer less, you know, offer less availability and, you know, create that and, and then do things, you know, and here's the, here's the next level of girl boss is that you figure out how to do one to few instead of one-on-one, right? Like, so you're maximizing your time. And that's where I'm, that's where my business is shifting. Yeah. That's it. This idea of right now, I honest to God, Bevan, I don't necessarily want to offer, you know, I, I was going to do a podcast. I don't think that will happen now like might go back to, to blogging, whatever, this, that, or the other. Right. And I, and it will happen in the timeline it's supposed to, mm-hmm. but right now I'm sort of like, why given my quote current business model, I don't want more people to know who I am. I'm booked out three months. I just am going to get more stressed out. You don't have to spend time on marketing them. That's the thing. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, it's so, it feels really unfair. And like, like, like life is fair. Right. But it feels really unfair that like, in addition to being good at that thing that you're on the earth to do, right. In addition to being good at aerobics, I also have to be good at, and good at all the other things I'm good at. Right. Like I'm good at talking to people and connecting and yes, very, I'm a great talk show host. Uh, uh-huh. But like, I think what's unfair is that we also have to be good at marketing. Like, incredible. Like I have to be also good at business and I have to like figure like, I have to like craft how my blog would get people to do something. Yeah. And like, Uh, I just don't want, like I said, I don't care. Like I'm in this space where I don't care. Good. In a few months, I'm sure that will be different. But right now I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) Maybe in Capricorn season. But I mean, you're also a psychic going through this great uprising and the fall apart or the apocalypse is ever, I mean, we were, you were like in the last episode. So I watched it or I listened to it again because I am like a Barbara Walters. I want to be prepared. And I wanted to see if there are any gaps, any things I wanted to ask you about, which is why I asked you about your guys. Um, and, but also like, I think in there, you said this was like the apocalypse light. And I'm like, no, I think this is actually the apocalypse. This is where everything is changing. There's nothing like we're, we're deciding what's happening in the, in the future. Like the news is reporting a dying paradigm that doesn't exist anymore. This is what happened. This is what we are. What's happening? Well, I will say the past six months have have felt like the apocalypse light yes. in the sense that it did not again. It did not go as terribly uh-huh. as it could have. Yeah, that doesn't. You know, and and people died in protests, and more people were killed from police brutality. And a hundred and what is it now? Eighty five thousand. People have died of coronavirus in the United States. I mean, all of that is still true, but like the thing I keep thinking about, Bevan, and this is a sad thing, but I think it's necessary. 2020 could be the good part. (laughs) I swear to you, it could. What if this is the easy part? I think about it all the time. Yep. Yep. And that's why I think I meant by apocalypse light. You know, like what? We don't know what shit's gonna go down next summer, but I'm already getting warnings about it. That's not a good sign. Yeah, especially as you're already talking about food scarcity. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. I I moved up here for many, many, many reasons, and not the least of which, like, as soon as I decided to move up near my mom, I was like, oh, thank God, because X, Y, Z, one, two, three, right? Like, a million good reasons. Sure. Yeah. Here among them. They're very emergency prepared. Pat, my step parent, is organized is, lesbians. Yeah, organized lesbians, and Pat is a full prepper. So, like, 
we get, we have 60 days of water on hand. You know what I mean? It's very likely that um, when she says, when the big one hits, um, (laughs) not if, when the big one hits the peninsula I live on, the Olympic peninsula, great big peninsula is potentially going to be completely isolated from supply. So we have like a seed bank we've started, like we are like, and we planted a whole COVID victory garden, which we are eating literally the fruits of now. Um, you know, I, I haven't paid for kale in a long time. It's nice. Um, I don't think that's silly. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's super fair. Yeah. So if you're predicting potential food scarcity next year, if people out there, if you're listening to, if you're still listening, congrats. And yeah, first of all, if you care enough, we love you. <laughs> but also like prepare for next year, like get, get a seed bank together, get some, some seed. You can buy a full on seed bank, you know, like, which is just like a nice, container that's waterproof and other things proof uh, that has seeds that can help you nourish your family and um, and maybe move if you have nigglings in your in your gut to move out of a city and move somewhere specific follow your gut follow your instinct mm-hmm. leap, do it do it a lot of people ask me that, about that yeah. and I mean and and that doesn't mean maybe you know that doesn't necessarily mean by next summer it will be like there's no food at all but as Americans we're so spoiled frankly literally you know i mean we're so used to getting everything when we run it right away yeah i don't think that's what the future will look like no and we are so used to like getting out of season food and out of (laughs) right (laughs) i can't even believe it took me till i was a later adult to understand that stone fruit had a season and like god i've loved stone fruit season that has been like a highlight honestly like the simple things are such a highlight for me now like stone fruit season like ending my nature walk with like stopping in my little shed fridge for uh, a piece of a peach or a nectarine or a plum like stone fruit season oh what a nice time and now it's blackberry season and soon it will be apple season like it's tiny like this is tiny joys man yeah and like figuring out how to you know freeze blackberries so we can have them later but like you know also recognizing that like be prepared you know what if what if 2020 is <laughs> oh, I, God, I, God. I I it's just what I keep thinking it's what it's what I keep thinking and that does not mean I'm being spiritually handed that information I really don't think I am I think that's really just like how Chrissy's brain works I'm like listen like <laughs> I'm like Enneagram six over here I'm like you don't know <laughs> I feel like there's definitely like a a coming attraction astrologically at a minimum for the next three months. That's just like oh yeah. I mean, astrologers have been talking about this little section of 2020 for like 20 years. Yeah, they have. So you know, astrologers have also been talking about the dawning of the age of Aquarius for 60 years, and here we are now in the full age of Aquarius. And the age of Aquarius can only, I mean, Aquarius is about community, connection, interdependence, um, and, you know, the age Justice, of, orientation, yeah, yeah. All of it. And, it's, and it's, it can only flourish as the other things die. And so yeah. this is like our, I truly believe we're experiencing the death rattles of the patriarchy and white nationalism. That, I mean, maybe I'm just a Pollyanna optimist, but like, I no, I don't think you're wrong. And I name a death rattle, you know, and like, I'm so divested from... I like such it's so free on this side of giving a shit what people think of you <laughs> like I don't think you're wrong I just I just think that said systems or said paradigms will put up a fight before they die it's yeah and also grief is harder when you struggle 
Yeah. And a lot of people cling to things because you can always measure what you'll lose. You can't measure what you'll gain to release that thing. And white people who are so fragile that they need other people to be small for them to be powerful. Uh, which know, we've all done. They're yeah. gonna, yes, which we've all done. And I think like those people who are still clinging to that are going to continue to suffer. And because that's, you know, again, seeking yeah. external validation of value that's already inherent in you. And that's, that's one of the things that white supremacy robs us of is understanding our own inherent value. And if you look at um, Surge has a really good list of like the things about white supremacy, these tactics and traits of white supremacy. And a lot of them overlap with alcoholism and survival skills that people develop around alcohol. I have the list, literally <laughs> that list of like character, like traits of white supremacy is like in my phone. Yeah. So I can pull it up and look at it. <laughs> to remind yourself, oh, my people pleasing, my perfectionism, it's part of white supremacy. Like binary thinking. Binary thinking. Urgency. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is my personality? Yeah. Three question marks? Yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say it's fair to call it my personality. I would say that's how I behave when I'm operating from a fear space. That entire list. Yes, absolutely. And I think so many of us do. And I think what's sad about white nationalism is it is fear. It's, It's a lot of fear masquerading in positions of power which unfortunately then murders people that we love and i so gross um anyway chrissy tolly you're a a gift to this world i'm so glad you exist i'm glad thank you for thinking that i do know that's true (laughs) i'm trying my best to remember it high five for self-care for taking that time off when you were having a break in your brain. Thank you. I'm really and it taught me a lot. So th- thank you for encouraging me to do that because you were very supportive then and are now. So I will accept that high five. Yeah. It's a big high five. <laughs> also high five for taking less clients and <laughs> just being willing to turn off the girl boss so that you can just really be in submission surrender to your gifts because we need people who are open to the surrender to their gifts and eschewing capitalism. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being such like a wondrous and consistent light and modeling for me what um, discipline looks like in ways that are intended to create people who are of good cheer. Yeah. (laughs) Literally, all of my discipline is just so I can be of good cheer. (laughs) Right. And I, I really admire you for that and look up to it and have like imitated pieces of it in my own life. So thank you. Oh, good. I'm glad. That's really like what I'm here to do is just like tell people, this is my recipe. I found peace this way. This is my recipe. Tweak it. You know what I mean? Here, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.